When I was a junior in college, I went to a little college in Santa Cruz, Christian College, and uh, they had a, uh, an opportunity. It was called a missionary internship program. So my roommate and I both signed up for it, and we thought, well, this, is, this should be really, really fun, interesting. We didn't really know what it was going to look like, but we signed up for it. And so one day, my roommate Russ came in, and he was, he was kind of like sort of excited and kind of bummed at the same time. And I didn't understand why. He said, I, I found out where we're going. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> do tell. He said, well, I, I said, where are you going? He says, well, I'm going to be going to an Indian reservation in Arizona. To, for the entire summer. And I said, that's awesome. And I said, well, where am I going? And he looked at me and he goes, you're going to Maui. <laughs> then I understood why he was a little bit bummed. But, and so that summer was um, a monu- monumental summer in terms of just what God did in my life and how it really kind of established the trajectory of my life. Let me tell you about it. That summer, I worked with a church planter and I didn't know anything about church planting and worked with this guy. He was from New York and had moved to Hawaii to help establish his church in a little town called Pukulani over in Maui, somewhere out in the upcountry, if you're familiar with Maui. And the entire summer, I worked with him. Uh, not only did he establish the church, but we were actually building the physical church. Uh, I got to speak all around the island, different churches. Um, it was just kind of really formational and kind of getting me going and getting church planting in my heart. That's why we were able to, all these years ago, plant this church. I planted a couple of other churches in my life. But then there was something else that was foundational, and I learned, I really got into surfing that year. Uh, and surfing has played a huge, huge role uh, in my life. I've done surf camps. I've done all kinds of stuff. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, one of those, church planting, that sounds pretty spiritual and holy. The other one doesn't sound so spiritual and holy. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, surfing has been just as spiritual in my life as has been church planting. They, were just, they both were huge in my life. And I, and I love telling that story. I could stand here for the next hour and just tell you all about that, just because I love to talk about things that are in my life that, that are exciting. Um, so you want to do the same thing. Like some of you, if we were to have a private conversation, you could tell me about the most exciting things in your life, things that just like motivate you and you want to talk about it. But what about your, your personal God story, if, if you have one, okay? I don't want to just assume that everybody has one. But if you have a, a, a God story, this is, this is something like, this is how I came to know God. Um, what motivates you to share it? Or let me, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I'm being presumptuous. Are you motivated to share it at all? And, and do you share it? So that's what we want to talk about this morning, about, you know, just, just is that motivation in you to share your God story with other people. What is it that even makes it exciting to tell that story or, or motivates us to tell that story? Well, it really it begins with uh, what happened, right? It's kind of like when our story met God's story. It's, it's, it's kind of when you know, we were living our life, doing our thing, and at some point in time, we, we, we felt like we needed God. And, and one of the things that I've discovered in my life is that most people don't reach out to God when they're on top of the world. I, like most, like when I, most, I've never ever had anybody come to me and say, you know what, uh, I was rich, um, I, I, I was like looking incredible at the gym every day, um, my relationships were amazing, everything in my life was working, and then one morning I woke up and I said, I think I need God. It, usually it works kind of the other way. It's kind of like, I, you know, things were not going so well, and I, I was just kind of coming up empty, um, I, I, just, I just had a sense that I, I needed more 
uh, and I, I got to the end of myself, and it's been said so often, when I got to the end of myself, I got to the beginning of God. And that's where our story and God's story intersects. It's, it's, it's one of the most exciting things that can, can happen in our life. Um, so once our relationship is restored to God, when we come in, and finally it's like, I'm not doing my thing, I'm doing, I'm, God, I'm, I'm tracking with you. This is where the story begins. This is really where it gets exciting. Uh, and and I, I've, I've told, like, what I told you today, I've told that story so many times, but that's just a very small part of my story. So I just want to just, I want you to think about the idea of the parts of your life and the stories that you can tell, the God story parts of, of your life that you can tell. Now, we've been talking about the Apostle Peter a lot because we're in the book of Acts. And last week, uh, we were talking about the day of Pentecost. And Peter plays a very central, a key role in this day of Pentecost. Um, so let me just, just back up a little bit so that this ver- verse makes sense. So recall, Peter... Uh, Peter, James, and John were fishermen, and one day Jesus comes along, and he says, hey, I want you guys to follow me, and they do. They sign up for it. For three years, they follow Jesus. Uh, they get to hear all of his incredible teachings. They get to see his miracles. They get to see people raised from the dead. Jesus walks on the water, all the things. So they experience all of this, and one day, Peter has his moment. Jesus asks his disciples, and this is when they've been traveling around a bit, he asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And the disciples said, well, you know, some people say you're a prophet, and some people say that you're a great teacher, and, you know, there's different ideas and speculation about who you are. But then Jesus says to them, well, who do you guys say that I am? And this, this is Peter's moment. Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And, and so in that moment, Jesus says, Peter, you got it. You are the one guy. You understand who I am. And because of that, I'm going to call you the rock, and you're going to be the foundational person of of the church. Now, that's all fine and good, but when Jesus has his worst day, which is he's going to crucifixion, Peter becomes the guy who denies him three times that he even knows him. And he has this moment, like the third time that he denies him, there's this moment, I think it's recorded in Luke, where Jesus turns around, and he and Peter look each other right in the eyes, and Peter runs off and cries. So as good as that one moment was, you're the Messiah, now it's like, I don't even know him, and then that happens. Well, fast forward, Jesus goes to the cross, he's resurrected, and now uh, he's spending some time in Jerusalem. So for 40 days, Jesus is making the rounds in Jerusalem and Judea and that whole area, and hundreds and hundreds of people see him. Uh, And so uh, there comes this one day, and this is right before Jesus ascends and leaves, that he's on the beach, he's cooking up a bunch of fish for the, for, uh, the disciples, uh, and they have a little fireside chat there. Uh, and while he's there, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, I, gotta, I got some questions I want to ask you. And I imagine that Peter was really dreading this moment, like not wanting to go back and revisit that thing that happened that he didn't want to talk about. But Jesus said, no, we, we need to talk about this. And so three different times, he asked him, in fact, let's just read it here. In John chapter 21, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And then Jesus goes on, he said, well, feed my sheep. And, and he, asked, he asked this question three different times. And it says the last time that he asked it, Peter felt hurt by it because Jesus was asking him three times because he denied him three times. But then, after that, everything was good. 
Jesus, in so many words, it was like, okay, we're on board again. I'm recommissioning you. Go out and you just, you be the rock, okay? And so this is where we pick up the story. Last week uh, in chapter two, it's the day of Pentecost. And you recall that in the day of Pentecost, there are thousands of people from all kinds of different countries. And they come and they're all gathered around the temple. uh, And um, this miracle happens. The Holy Spirit comes. People are speaking in a language they don't even understand. uh, And it's kind of confusing and happy all at the same time. People are kind of wondering what's going on. You might recall that some of the people were saying, oh, these people are all drunk. And uh, Peter goes, no, no, it's not the case. It's, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, and God's doing something. He's pouring out his Holy Spirit. So let's read uh, verses 23 through 24. Uh, by the way, you have some notes there. If you want to look at your notes, that maybe that'll help you. Verse 22, he says, now this is where he stands up, and he addresses the whole situation. He says, fellow Israelites... Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter is not a guy that, that minces words. He's like, you killed him. You killed the author of life. But, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep, to keep its hold on him. And then he goes on and, and he talks a little bit more about that, about this, this, this death thing. So what we see is, is Peter is announcing the good news that Jesus came. That's why the Holy Spirit's being poured out. Remember last week, Jesus promised over and again. He said, I'm going to wait, go to Jerusalem, wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's happened. The Holy Spirit is, is being poured out. And so as Peter's talking, he, he said, but God raised him from the dead. This is the, this is the thing that changes everything. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep a hold on him. That death thing. You know, it, it has been said that death is the great equalizer of all mankind. How, let me ask you a question. It might sound like a weird question, but I'm going to ask you. How many of you think that you might be dying? Yeah. See, if you didn't raise your hand, then maybe you didn't really understand the question. Because we're all dying. Last time I checked, mortality rate among humanity, 100%. Everybody dies. But this is a huge problem. It is because, I mean, first of all, it, it ends our story. Like, you know, hey, this is my life, and I'm, you know, I'm, my story is moving on, and then that thing called death happens. It's horrible. In, in the last four weeks, two of my brother-in-laws have died. And you, you just like, ah! You know, like, you just don't want to think about it. You don't want to face it. It, they, they used to say that death was the number two fear that people had. You know what the number one fear is? Probably a lot of you know. Speaking in public. Death was number two. But recently, I did a Google search, and I found out, I guess death has come way, way on down. And so now it's like number 47 among fears that people have. Now, you know what this tells me? It tells me that just people are just not thinking about it. They, they just push it away. Like, I don't want to think about that whole death thing, you know? And, and, and so, and when you think about it, in some ways, the way we act, it's like we think we're going to live forever. All these infomercials that are out there, it's going to extend your life, you know, and, and sometimes I get suckered into it, and I take, you know, like, yeah, I want to live longer, but, you know, one day I'm going to die. 
but I just, I guess, maybe quality of life. But we think about that a lot. We think about, like, how, how can I live longer? And so Jesus comes along and he dies so that we can live a life after life. That there's, there's hope, that there's life beyond the grave. And this, this is the great news that, that Peter's talking about. Like, for Peter, it's all coming together finally. All the, all the prophets before, they were saying, the Messiah's going to come. And they pro- Isaiah, all the different ones are saying, and then he's going to be crucified, he's going to die. But because of that, you're going to live. That whole death thing. Because Jesus, uh, because of him, we don't have to fear dying. So his crowd, his listeners, just 2,000 years ago, and fast forward to today, we all have the same issue. We're going to die. So where's the hope? The hope is the life beyond the life. My brother-in-law, Larry, that died a week ago, um, you know, Larry is a Christ follower. He wasn't always a Christ follower. But, but, but in the last 10 years or so, he, he really, really moved towards Jesus. And I, I, I'm going to be doing his funeral pretty soon. But when I do it, I do it with a real sense of like hope. I'm going to miss Larry, but, but hope because I know where Larry is. I know that he's with God. I know that he's with family. I know that every, he's not suffering anymore. Everything is going to be good. And this is the hope that becomes a part of, of our story as, as Peter is talking about it there. So this is like a, the big aha moment, not only for Peter, but for all of his listeners where he's saying, so do you get what happened? Do you get that since Jesus came, was died, and resurrected, that it changes everything? And that our, that our stories don't have to end in that thing called death, that there's life beyond life, that there's hope for, for all of us. Let's get back into the story, uh, verse 25 through 35. Actually, let's go to verse 29. So he continues, he says, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and he was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. And seeing what was to to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, but nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and he's poured out what you now see and hear. Again, it's all coming together. David was like the rest of them. He was like, what? He said he was the Messiah, and then he died? But then the the resurrection happens. And then all those prophecies are are like, that's okay. Okay. Now, now, now we get it. Now it totally makes sense to us. And Jesus becomes the hero of, of the story. That's why he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And he becomes a part of all of their stories. So, that's why I'm excited about my story. That's why you ought to be excited about your, your God story. Because what we do is we, where they intersect we take our story and God's story, and I, like, I, I, for me, I'm like, okay, so much of my story is God's story, inside, inside of my story. God has raised this Jesus to life, and he comes to life in, inside of us. And, and, and that changes everything for us. We allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to begin to play our part. So just think about it this way. 
until you came into a relationship with God, you were just writing your own story. If you're an author, you're writing your own story. And your story is played out however you want it to play out apart from God. Well, this is my story. This is my career. These are my relationships. This is my marriage. This is what I do. This is what I like to do. All those kind of things, right? That's your story. You're just going on. But suddenly when our story intersects with God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it like changes everything. So when I, when I, you know, and one of the things that I love is I get to tell my story all the time up here, and I get to tell it to people that I meet all the time, but God is just weaved in and through all of, of my story, because my story is his story, and his story is my story, and the same is true of you. Let me put it another way. You have a story to tell, and the question is, are you willing to tell that story? Because there are a lot of people out there that, that need to hear it. So what that means is that we get to share the God story, and that God story is going to have impact. It's going to have so much impact. So let me ask you a question, and I want you to respond to this. How many of you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, how many of you came into your relationship with Jesus through um, a family member? Raise your hand if that's true. Okay. That was, yeah, first service, same thing. We had a lot of people that raised their hand. So somebody in your family influenced you. Aren't you happy for that? Whoever that, whether it was a parent or an uncle or a grandma or whatever, yeah. How many of you came to, to Christ through a friend? Somebody spoke at we get okay, all right, good, beautiful, all right. So friends, so there's there's those people in our life that because of them, that we have a relationship with God today. So in my life, one of the most influential people in my life was my grandfather. So like in about 1920, Matteo Bombacci decided to make a run from Sicily for America, like so many immigrants back in the day. And he goes through Ellis Island and then lives in New Jersey and finally makes his way to the West Coast. And, and Grandpa, to this day, thank you for bringing me to the West Coast. I'm so thankful that you went to the West. I don't have nothing against the East Coast, but I'm just thank you, Grandpa. So he comes to the West Coast, and he's a commercial fisherman, and he has five kids. Just, you know, gets married to my grandmother, boom, five kids, just like that. And, and then... It's not, a, it's not a real pretty story because my grandfather was a messy guy. He, he blows through about three marriages really fast. He is, becomes a mean drunk, and he's just mess-40s. My grandfather has an encounter with Jesus that just radically changes his life, radically. And he, from that point forward, he's not the same guy. So much so, see, I met him when I'm a kid, right? So by this time, he's been following Jesus. He's married uh, my, my grandmother, Ruby, really sweet woman. And, and so all I know is this, my grand, every time he'd see me, you know, he'd grab me and hug me and kiss me all over, and, and we'd go fishing together and everything. And my, my dad would say, now, Steve, this is what you need to know about Grandpa. I didn't grow up with that kind of a guy. He was not a nice man. And, and, you know, his sisters and brothers would all attest to the same thing. He was a changed guy. But when I was with him, and I knew him as that changed guy, Wherever we went, Grandpa was telling his God story. You could, I mean, he was a man on a mission. We used to do a lot of fishing together, and uh, he would all, wherever he went, he was just talking to people about Jesus and talking to people about his Jesus story. And that's why all five of his kids, and a couple of them passed away, one of them being my dad, came to know Jesus because of his influence. And that's why... Uh, so many of his grandchildren, the majority of them, know Jesus. And now his great-grandchildren, many of them, know Jesus. 
because of that one guy. You see, when I talk about it, there's something that's powerful and generational here if you and I are willing to, to, to share our, our, our God story. So let's uh, get back into the last few verses here. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to all the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promises for, now here's that generational, generational thing. This promises for you and your children and all who are far off, for, all whom of, for whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. So that was the beginning of the church. And one day, 3,000 people say, you know what? I'm going to commit my life to Jesus on, on this day. Like that, that is so powerful. That's the God story that goes, goes forward. So here's what you and I need to know. We know that when we speak up, that the Holy Spirit moves people's hearts. And I know for some of you, uh, you, you might be thinking, I'm just not good at that. I'm not eloquent. You know, I don't know how to say it right. But look it. I'm not, I'm not talking about like being, becoming the, the Bible answer man. I'm not talking about walking in a room with a Bible and say, I'm going to prove the existence of God to you today. I don't know how that would go. But I know this, that if you... Share your story with people that you know. I mean, after all, if you have a relationship with somebody, you've already established some credibility. You've earned the right to be heard. So why not just tell your story? Because it's a great story. Don't, don't ever minimize your story. Don't ever say, oh, well, my story's kind of boring. No. No, you've got a great story. It's your story, your personal story of how, what God is doing in, in your life, has done and hopefully continues to do. In this case, you know, it says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, brother, what shall we do? I think the people that heard this were a lot like you and I. Remember, Peter said, you kill, basically, you kill God. You, you, you know, and they're like, what? And so they're cut to the heart. And they're thinking, well, that means I just got wrote out of the story. I mean, we're, we're finished. And this is where Peter brings the good news. He goes, no, you're not. Repent. Be baptized. You know, and, and then just allow the Holy Spirit to do the Holy, what the Holy Spirit does in your life. This is a new day for you. So often people say, well, you know, I'm done, I'm finished. I don't think God wants any part of me. No, that's why he came into this world. The Bible says he came to seek and save that, what, what, that what was lost. So when, when I speak, the Holy, you have to know in that moment, the Holy Spirit is going to use your story. I want to read to you um, out of the book of Romans real quickly. The Apostle Paul speaks in chapter 10. And he says this, How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? In other words, somebody needs to say it. And how can they hear without somebody, and he says, preaching to them or telling them? Somebody needs to tell them that, or they're not going to know it. They're not going to hear it. I have a friend named Joel. A long time ago, Joel came to Jesus, and he was kind of a new believer at this point. And uh, he used to work at the San Diego Zoo. And so he told me, he said, Steve, I've, I've been doing this experiment, and um, I'm trying to show people Jesus 
and to live the kind of life that, well, people will just know that I'm a Christian because of my actions and not my words. And I said, oh, okay. And so a period of time went by. And so his whole thing was, you know, my sm- I'm going to smile. I'm going to have this amazing attitude. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be all these things. And people will just know that I'm a Christian. And then one day he told me how it went. He said, yeah. He said, one day this co-worker came up to me and said, Joel, I've been watching you. And I've been noticing something about you. And Joel thought, man, this is the big moment I have been waiting for. And the guy said, are you a vegetarian? <laughs> now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we don't tell people, they're just going to think whatever. They might just say, well, you're just a really great person. You, just, you have a great attitude. They, they might say, you know, maybe you're a vegan. You took it to the next level. I, I don't know. But they're not going to, unless you and I verbalize it and say, if you think I'm a great person, let me tell you why you, I'm a great person. It's because of what God has done in my life. It's an opportunity for you and I to, in that moment, say, look, this is what God is doing in my life. And if you see anything good in me, it's because of him. And that's how we get to tell our our God story. And by the way, God doesn't ask us if we're capable. He didn't say, well, you know, when you're ready, we'll we'll do this, but you have to really prepare yourself, and you have to be eloquent, and you have to be well No, no. Just, just, like, just, just tell it, it. It's your story. It'll just come out of you. But it's, it takes courage. It does, it does take courage. It, we're we're going to be talking about this chapter in a few weeks. But look, at in chapter 4 of Acts, verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They weren't scholars. They weren't highly educated but they had been with Jesus. And that changes everything. It says a lot to us that the more time that we really work on our relationship with, with Jesus, the more people are going to take notice. It, I don't know about you, but when people are, talk, are telling me their God story, what really comes through is not the eloquence of their words or how they frame it. You know what comes through? is their heart. And when you tell your God story, it's the same thing. It's not so much that people are going to go, oh, you are brilliant. It's just that they're going to listen to you and your heart's just going to come through. That's what's going to get them. That's that Holy Spirit thing in that moment when they're listening to you tell your story. That's that's what's going to motivate them to want to be a Christ follower. So I'm going to get real practical here and we're almost finished. What steps do we need to take to prepare to tell our story? So there needs to be some preparation it's the story is already in you. And so I'm going to make this as simple as I can. First, I would encourage you to write it down. If you've never done this before, and I've done it several times, um, there's something about just writing your story down. You'll probably rewrite it two or three different times. And, it, 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 and it, you'll get excited about it. You'll start to write the story. Down. It'll remind you of that amazing thing that God did in your life. And then you'll rewrite it. And it's like, wow, this is great. Okay, so do that. And, it, and then it makes the story easier to tell, but it's simply like, it goes like this. What was your life like before you knew God? That's where you start. Well, this is what I was like. This is what my life was like. And then what brought you to God? Well, this is what happened. And we all have different stories. You know, I, 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 was, I was struggling. I was failing. I, I was, you know, I was an addiction or, or whatever it was. But something brought me to God. I actually, it was no, I, I just felt empty. 
something brought me to God. And then you begin to talk about that. And, and, and this, is, this is how it happened. Like, wow, I, I opened my heart up. I opened my life up. I made a decision. I decided to start following Jesus. And, and everything began to change. And then maybe the most important part is, is my life after Christ. Because if, and I've heard these kind of stories before. It's, it's, it's kind of like, this is what it was like. And, and then I came to Christ. And then when was that? I said, oh, it was in 2003. What's going on today? Oh, I go to church. Like, what happened? I mean, it was so good. The story was so good. And then like, what, you just go to church now? There needs to be an ongoing, like, this is what God is doing in my life now, today. Like, I want to know, are you evolving? Are, is God continuing to work in your life? Is God alive in your life? So it's, it's what happened before. It's what happened when you actually came to Christ. And it's like, what is God doing today? And you get to tell that all the time. Peter says this. When Peter got a little bit older, he wrote this book, 1 Peter. And he says in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 15, he says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then he says, this is so important, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, but do so with gentleness and respect. So he's, he says, just, just be ready, be ready. Now, lest you think that, uh, for some of you, you're like, well, Steve, you're a pastor. That's what you guys do. You know, it's easier for you. No, it's not. I mean, I, I stand up here and do this. This is one thing. It's another thing for me, on uh, just one-on-one, when I'm out, you know, surfing, or when I'm out just doing life the way I do life, to suddenly do my God story. So I want you to know, it's not any easier for me than it is for you. And I can't tell you how many times that I've chickened out. And I hate it when I chicken out. And by that, I mean, I see an opportunity. And, and you know, in the moment, it's like, oh, this is awkward. I, I know, I, I'm like channeling some of you right now. This, this is awkward. This, they might, this, this could change everything. I don't know if I want to tell that story or not. And I've done that. And I've walked away, and I've always just felt awful about myself when I didn't say something. Now, conversely, every time that I have said something, it doesn't mean that it went across great. Many times it has. In fact, sometimes it is awkward, to be honest with you. Sometimes it's been rejected, like, well, don't want to hear that. Keep your religion to yourself or whatever, you know, people say. But I'm still glad that I said it. I've never once in my life regretted starting to tell my God story. Not once. But I have many times regretted not telling my God story. So I want, I just, I, I want you to walk out motivated to tell a story because it's your story and it is a story worth telling. You need to tell that story. It's a good story, okay? And so here's the way I want to, I want you to think about a person in your life who could really benefit from hearing your story. Just think about how it could change things generationally. Like you just tell that story and that maybe that person at first says, hmm, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. And at some point in time, that, that person makes a commitment to begin to follow Jesus. And then what that could look like down the line, you know, that person begins to influence other people. Maybe, it's, maybe they get married, maybe they have kids, maybe that generational thing begins to happen. So who would that be for you? So if you would, would you just close your eyes for a moment? Just close, close your eyes. And, and I want you to think, I want you to pray about this. Who would the one person be that I should tell my God story to.
Most likely, it's a friend, but maybe, maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's somebody that you play ball with, somebody that you see at the coffee shop or at the pub, just, just somebody that is, is part of your life. But you've never told them your God story. Who would that be? And I, I suspect that some of you right now, you see that person's image in your mind right now. You see it. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. Just, Lord, I pray that all of us, that as you show us who that person would be, give us the courage to tell our story. Help us not to minimize our story or downplay our story. It's a great story, Lord, and it needs to be told. And it could change somebody's life because it's changing our life. So, Lord, I ask that because of our time together that God's stories will begin to be told and they will have great impact. In Jesus' name we pray.